All right, all right, Voice Church. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, Voice. How you guys doing? Oh, we can do better than that. Good morning, Voice. How you guys doing? There we go. Okay, so uh, it's really good to be here, and a lot of you have no idea who I am, which is fine. Uh, but I'm going to do the typical guest speaker thing, and I'm going to put a picture up of my family because my family could not be here. Uh, but this is my family. Uh, that is my wife, Tiffany. Uh, we'll be married almost 13 years coming up soon in November. That is my wife, Isla. No, you can give her. She's dealt with me for that long. It's good. Uh, that is my daughter, Isla. She just turned 10. And that is my son, Banner. Uh, as in, yes, Bruce Banner. We named him after the Hulk, and he is always angry all of the time. Uh, but he just turned seven. Uh, and so that is my family. But um, we are actually family. You may not know this, uh, but we're family. Before Voice, I think, was even an Instagram account, uh, my wife Tiffany and our two kids uh, moved from uh, Illinois to live uh, with Taka and Natalie for three years, all of us, in the same house for three years. So the fact that I'm still standing and sane somewhat is a good indication that they're the real deal, okay? Uh, but we actually moved here to help start Voice Church. Uh, and so before there was a solid building, uh, before there was uh, a consistent place where we could hang our hat, uh, we were a set up and tear down church. And I drove the truck and trailer for three years for Voice Church. Uh, and it was amazing. Uh, but it's awesome to get to see what God is doing and what he has been doing in and through this church. Um, and just so you guys know, whether you like it or not, we're family. And so you guys can just consider me the weird cousin you're just meeting for the very first time, uh, which is great. Um, but I really believe God has a word for us this morning. Uh, and so if you guys could just join me in prayer, and we'll get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in, around, and through Voice Church. Um, God, I ask that you would just bless this church, bless this city, bless the community that they are in, because, God, I know you want to do amazing things. God, bless the leadership. Bless Taka and Natalie for their sacrifice and everything that they've done up until this point and everything that they're willing to do uh, in the future to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, so for the next four hours, let's go. You guys ready? All right. Uh, what a lame pastor joke. I think every single speaker has ever has always used that joke. Uh, I'm going to try to not do that this morning. But um, have any of you guys ever, for like a school project, a work initiative, uh, maybe you yourself have one or you know of someone that has one, have any of you guys ever had or know someone who has a vision board? in their life, a vision board. You guys know what that is? Okay, great. For those of you guys who may be a little too young and don't know what a vision board is, this is a vision board. It is a collage of, image, of images and words representing a person's wishes or goals for their life. And usually people have these because they're intended to serve as inspiration or motivation to attain said wishes or goals in their life, okay? That is what a vision board is used for. And so when I lived here, I worked for Chase Bank in Anaheim, okay? And uh, my first orientation week, I walked in, and there was this big vision board in the, in the staff area. And I walked in, and my boss was like, so here we have Chase Bank's vision board for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, and it's a good company to work for. It's great. Uh, but then underneath it, for each branch, each employee had their own vision board. Okay? And these things were outlandish. Because it's Southern California, right? And so all these people were like, you see Teslas, Murcielagos, Lamborghinis. You had like all these crazy mansions people wanted to own. There's like private islands on these people. Not that they wanted to visit, but like that they wanted to own. I'm like, homie, pump your brakes. You're a teller at Chase Bank in Anaheim. You're not going to own Cabo. Like I don't know what to tell you, but it's not going to happen for you, right? 
And so, but my boss was like, Michael, this is a really, I really encourage you to have your own vision board because it's really important to have a vision for your life and to have it at the forefront to see it every day so that you can kind of, kind of will it into existence. And I was like, this is not a, a secular or worldly concept. This is actually a thing that's rooted in scripture. This, this idea, this concept of, of having and keeping the vision for your life at the forefront of your life is actually massively, it's critically important to your life, especially having God's vision for your life at the forefront. And it's found in Proverbs 29. And so I'm going to read you this passage of scripture in two different translations. And so the first one is Proverbs 29, verse 18. And this is what it says in the Amplified. It says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. In the message version, it says this, if people can't see what God is doing, They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Now, I'm a really big original language nerd. Like, if it's in the New Testament, I love looking and researching up the Greek. If it's in the Old Testament, I love looking at the Hebrew. And so I'm going to spare you the hours that it took me to take every single verse and every single word in this passage and break it down in the original language. And I'm going to share with you how it breaks down into our English from the original language in the Hebrew. And this is what it says. I thought this was so interesting. It says, without sight of a dream or revelation from God, people will let go of, go back to old versions of, avoid altogether, and even perish from life. But those who keep, observe, guard, attend to the direction or instruction from God will go on, advance, be blessed, and be happy. Having, knowing, and seeing the vision of God for your life is literally critical to your life and living life and life to the fullest that God had intended for you. So if you're taking notes this morning, which I hope you, I hope every single week you come in because it says that God's word doesn't return unto him void. I hope you come into this space every week expecting to hear a word from God. So if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, you can title this vision board, vision board. And you can throw up my, my graphic slide of vision board. My wife made that. Isn't that great? Now I know what some of you guys are thinking. Some of you guys are like, well, um, It's nice that your wife made that, but she spelled it wrong because it's B-O-A-R-D. But I already told you guys about what a vision board is. We haven't talked yet about what it means to actually be vision board, B-O-R-E-D. Because oftentimes in our life, we see from from Genesis to Revelation, and even right now, God will give us constant vision boards for our life, collage of images and words that he wants to use as inspiration and motivation for his will for our life. But too often we get bored with those visions. Too often we just get to a place, the definition of bored is this, feeling weary because one is unoccupied or lacks interest in one's current activity. Is that not us in a nutshell? There's a reason why some of you guys don't have an iPhone 13 because the iPhone 14 just came out. The iPhone 13 works fine, but don't we get uninterested with what we have? right? Because just too often we get bored. We get bored with the things that God tends to give us oftentimes. 
So I want to take you guys on a little journey where God has given his people, he has given us vision boards all throughout the history of our existence. So I want to show you the very first original vision board God ever gave us, and it's in Genesis chapter 1. And you can throw my next slide up. This was, and it doesn't even do it justice, but this was the creation account. This was the very first ever original vision board that God has ever given his people. I mean, look at, he created the sun, the moon, the stars, water, land, sky, vegetation, plants, flowers, things like the platypus. Like he gave us all of these ridiculous things for us to look at, to see his glory, to see his wisdom, to see his excellence. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he does something that if I was in the room, knowing all I know now, I'd probably be like, you might want to rethink it. But he does something even crazier. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. I could deal without that one. I'm really good without that one. But it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And in Genesis 2 and verse 8, he says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend to it and watch over it. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat of every fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And then God looked at everything he had made and said it was good, but it could be better. So I need to make a woman. Ladies, amen. Right? Fellas, amen. I'm trying to give you guys points, opportunities for points, gentlemen. Okay? Amen. Amen. Right? Y'all realize, fellas, that God said it's not good for us to be alone. He basically was like, y'all need help, a lot of it. So I need to send the better half, right? But then, guys, look at this creation account. Look at the very first original vision board. We were created for relationship. We were created with purpose. We were created in love. This was the very first original vision board that God has ever given us to look at and to find inspiration and motivation to live in the original intent, which was relationship and contentment with God. Our first original vision board was for us to be completely, 100% content with God. But some of us don't like that word content. Because that word content kind of has a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? I don't want to be content. I want to go and do and blah, blah. I want to experience. And, but we don't like that word content, but maybe it's because we don't know the definition of the word. The definition of the word content means to be fully satisfied. How many of you right now in this room, and I don't need you to raise your hand, but how many of you would love to look at every area of your life and feel completely satisfied? There's a second part of the definition to that word too, and it means peaceably happy. I don't know about you guys, but where I live, I would love to be completely satisfied and peaceably happy. 
I think all of us could use some satisfaction and peaceful happiness, right? But this was God's original intent for our life. How do we get bored with a vision like that? For God to say, not only do I want to create for you all of these beautiful things, but I want to walk with you hand in hand in relationship in full contentment. How do we get bored with something like that? Well, then Genesis 3 kind of tells us. Genesis 3 introduces a new character, the serpent. Y'all realize in the Bible, serpents walked on legs like snakes walked on legs? Snakes on a plane, that movie would look totally different back in biblical times. But it's crazy. This serpent comes in to the scene, all right? He slides into Eve's DMs, okay? And says, hey, shorty, let me talk to you for a second. This is the MOT. This is the Mike Order translation, okay? So he slides into Eve's DMs and says, hey, shorty, let me talk to you for a second. Is it really true that God said you couldn't eat of any fruit in the garden? And Eve claps back and she says, nope, that's not true. That's not what God said. He just said we couldn't eat from one tree in the garden. Well, what's going to happen if you do? We're going to die. You surely won't die. Look what he says in verse 6 or verse 5. He says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. This is how slick the enemy is. Because all he has to do is get us discontent. Because we know that they were already created in the image of God, right? God said, I want to make man and woman to be in my likeness, to be the very image bearers of me. They were already like God. But the enemy said, hey, listen, there's some content, Eve, that you have yet to experience. And this is how the enemy works, doesn't he? Trying to get us to focus on the content of life, right? This is why we constantly find ourselves scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and envying and envying and envying. Because all the enemy has to do is get us discontent to the point where we lose out on the vision of God. And look at what it says in verse 6. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, that the vacation was beautiful, that the salary was beautiful, that the house was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, good schools, good education, all these things. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too because he can't go without a 401K either. See, the enemy didn't have to come in with overwhelming substance abuse. He didn't have to come in with insatiable porn addictions or murderous or hateful tendencies toward his neighbor. All he had to do was come in for a, sp a split second and get us bored. All he had to do was get us discontent by constantly getting us to focus on the content of life that we seem to be missing out on, the relationships we don't have, the places we haven't gone yet, the things we haven't done. It's when we become completely discontent with the life that God has given us that we lose out on the contentment he has for us. So we screwed up in the garden, but God didn't stop there. He didn't stop giving us vision boards for our life. And in Exodus 20, it says this, then God gave the people all these instructions. And he goes down the list. Bear with me, okay? Because this is a lot. He says, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself any idol of any kind of image or anything in the heavens or in the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, am your God. I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. You must not misuse the name of the Lord. The Lord will not let you go unpunished to misuse his name. Remember, to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I love how practical God is. He says, you had six days each week for your ordinary work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. 
On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. And in verse 12, he kind of gives us the ones we kind of know, right? Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house or covet your neighbor's wife or male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. God is literally telling the nation of Israel in this moment, listen, you didn't do so well with autonomy, little buddy. So let me give you a list of rules. A, a, a checklist. I don't know about you. How many like checklist people do we have in this place? I love checklists. Whenever my wife goes out of town and she says things to me like, hey, can you just get some stuff done? I hate that. Don't tell me that. That's too, that's too broad. Give me a list. You want laundry done? You want dishes done? You want me to mow the, just tell me what you want done and I'll get it done. I like lists. And this is what God did for his people. And verse 18 says this, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horns, when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. And Moses said, don't be afraid for God has come in this way to test you and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. And as the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. So here's what's happening in this moment. There's Mount Sinai, okay, off in the distance. The entire nation of Israel is hanging back because this is very ominous picture going on. So Mount Sinai, big mountain, there's dark clouds billowing. There's thunder crashing, lightning flashing. God's voice is booming, trying to give the instructions to the nation of Israel. And they're so freaked out and scared that they're like, hey, Moses, hey, bro, why don't you go talk to him? He seems a little upset. Why don't you go talk to him? And then why don't you come back and we'll listen to you. But if God speaks to us, we're going to die. So Moses walks to the mountain. And for 11 chapters from 20 to 31 And for 40 days and 40 nights, Moses starts to download from God himself the vision of God for his people. I feel like Ace Ventura when I do this, and I was practicing it, and I was catching, running out of breath. I'm going to bullet point all the things that God covers in 11 chapters. You guys ready? Okay, here it goes. Ready? Proper use of altars, fair treatment of slaves, cases of personal injury, protection of property, social responsibility, a call for justice, three annual festivals, a promise of the Lord's presence, offerings for the tabernacle, plans for the Ark of the Covenant, plans for the table. I wish I could stop it. He just keeps going. Plans for the lampstand, plans for the tabernacle, plans for the altar of burnt offering, plans for the courtyard, light for the tabernacle, clothing for the priest, designs for the ephod, designs for the chest piece, additional clothing for the priest, dedication of the priest, plans for incense, altar, money for the tabernacle, plans for the wash basin, the anointing oil, incense, and instruction for the Sabbath. That's a lot. That's a lot. And then Exodus 31, verse 18, it says, When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the very finger of God. You can go ahead and throw up my next slide because this this was the second vision board that God had given us. He had given us all of these things. He had given us a very, very, very detailed and descriptive plan laid out for us. And guys, we had the very handwriting of God. How do we get bored with something like that? I could understand the garden. That was a little, that was a little loose. That was a little broad. 
But man, God gets so detailed. He goes to crazy lengths to detail out for us the very vision that he has for us as his people. To know, not to even question anymore, but to know exactly what to do and what not to do in order to gain access to him. Easy steps to follow. This is literally like him writing out faith for dummies for us. And in Exodus 32, we see what happens and how the people get bored. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some God who, gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us from here, from the land of Egypt. So Aaron takes all the gold, all the stuff that he has from the nation of Israel. He melts it down and makes the calf, right? He makes, this, makes the heifer, the Bible says. So they worship this cow. And then the Lord tells Moses in verse 7, he says, The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Verse 8, how quickly they have turned away from the way I have commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. They got bored because they got impatient. Look at what they said. We don't know how long. He's been up there a hot minute. We don't know how long it's going to take for him to come back down with what God is supposedly giving him. So why don't you just make us something, Aaron? And we get like this. I can't tell you how many times in conversations I have had with my kids and telling them, hey, guys, listen. Later today, we're going to go to a trampoline park. And they get so excited. Awesome. So great. Every hour on the hour. Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Parents, can, are you feeling my pain? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? No, it's not time yet. You asked me one more time. We're not going now, right? Like, they get so impatient. The good thing is coming, and they know it's coming, but they just get impatient. We are like this with God, are we not? This is our human condition. We get so impatient with the things that God speaks to us, and we just can't handle it. So what happens is we become discontent and impatient with the vision God gives us. Because we just don't want to wait anymore. We just don't want to wait anymore. We get impatient with the vision we need when what we want is instant gratification. That's what happens. And that's how we get bored with the very visions that God has given us in our lifetime. So we mess up in the garden. We mess up with the Ten Commandments. But God gave us another one. He DJ Khaled us. Another one. Now a reminder, a vision board is a collage of images and words representing a person's wishes or goals. It's intended to serve as inspiration and motivation. And what God gave us next was something that was meant to inspire and motivate us like nothing had ever been presented to us before. And in John, three, six, and in John chapter 3, something happens. There's this religious leader named Nicodemus. And he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. And he says, okay, Jesus, I see what you've been doing. I hear what you've been saying. It's different than what we've been experiencing. But because of what you've done and because of the things you've said, we know without a shadow of a doubt that God has sent you. But what's the purpose? What's the vision, Jesus? Why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you saying the things you're saying? Clearly God has sent you, but what has he sent you for? What is the vision that God has given you to reveal to us? Because I have to know. And Jesus tells him in John, starting in, uh, in chapter 3, verse 16, he says this, For this is how God loved the world. 
that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And we, as a people, as a world, we don't like verses like this. We don't like talking about judgment. Things that we actually do, our fault, not anyone else's but ours, we don't like talking about that. It's uncomfortable. But then I read verse 19, and it says this, and the judgment, though, that comes that we don't like talking about is based on this fact. That God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. People loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse. That's a key word, refuse, to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. The people who refuse, they're just simply unwilling. They're unwilling. And in verse 21 says, but those who do what is right and come to the light so others can see that what they are doing is what God wants. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, if people are willing to see me, to believe in me, to follow me, they are going to see the vision that God has given me to reveal to you. But if you're unwilling, you're not going to come see it. If you're unwilling to believe in me, to follow me, to come to me, you're not going to see the vision. And Nicodemus is still left dumbstruck. He goes, but what? okay, Jesus, I get it, but I'm here right now. So you need to tell me what the vision is. And he goes, I already told you. Remember John 3, 16? It's the most famous verse in all the world. This is the vision that God has given me to show you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the vision that God has given us. You can throw up my vision board slide, my last one that I have. Guys, this is the vision that God has given us to inspire and motivate us to live a life towards salvation. And we don't look at this enough. We don't look at this enough. Like, when's the last time you actually just stopped and looked at this before you started your day? Before you made the decisions you were going to make that day? When's the last time that you said, because of what you did, what do you want me to do? But we get bored with this because... Somewhere along the way in our journey with God, too many hard things happen. Difficulties take place. Loved ones get lost. Job one, jobs get lost. Difficulties just happen with or without that happening. Difficulties just in life are going to happen. And somewhere along the way, we just get bored and we start to become unwilling to move toward that again. Because in light of that, all the things that we tend to deal with on this, in this life, I'm not knocking and I'm not discrediting the hardships that we have faced. A hardship and vulnerability was shared that I hope released and unlocked some hope for you guys this morning. So I'm not downplaying things like that that happened to us. But man, in light of this, this should be the thing that inspires and motivates us to do exactly what she did this morning. 
But what keeps people from the vision that God wants to reveal to you is simply just being unwilling. The original vision was contentment with God, relationship with him. And every step along the way, God has been giving us vision boards for us to keep at the forefront of our mind, the forefront of our life, so that we do not lose inspiration and motivation to continue in the same path that Jesus Christ himself walked. But we get vision boards sometimes because we become discontent, impatient, and unwilling. We've needed God to give us vision boards from Genesis to Revelation, and he has, and he's been gracious enough to do it. And guys, you know what? He's still doing it right now, this day, this morning. And whether you know it or not, you walked into a vision board. Voice Church is a vision board that he has given the people of Southern California and in this area, and not only that, around the world, truly. Because whether, or know, whether you guys know it or not, there's people because of sacrifices of people sitting in this room right now because of your sacrifice, because of your willingness to stay willing, to stay content with God, and to stay patient with the things of God, people in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, are experiencing the very presence of Jesus right now. Luke, Becca, Willow, Sarah, Aaron, Kendra, you don't know them. But because there's been people in this room that have not given up the vision that God has given them for this church, people are experiencing a very real move in hand of God. And the vision that God has given you guys, and so some of you are like, well, what's the vision that God has given me? Well, if you call this place home, if you call Voice Church your church, he's given you a vision, and it's this. To be a Christ collective who lives by faith, is known by love, and a voice of hope. That's the vision he's given you guys for this community. And it's not just this lofty idea that sounds really good that Taka and Natalie came up with. This is rooted in scripture. Matthew 28, 18. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and it says, Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Live by faith. Live by faith, voice church. Go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. You can't make disciples of all nations unless you're living by faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can do the things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is being known by love. What did Jesus say? They will know you are Christians. My followers by what? Your what? Love. You can't do this without love. You can't do this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit without being known by love. And he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, that I am with you always to the end of the age, man. And that means you have to be a voice of hope for people that Jesus is going nowhere. He's going to be right here waiting for you. And there's people who are out there that are not in here that don't know what's waiting for them in here. Worship team, you guys can go, go ahead and come on up and make me sound more spiritual. That'd be great. But if we are not careful we will get bored with the vision God has given us to accomplish. And we will be a church and we will live in a city that is unrestrained and stumbling all over themselves. Searching and chasing after things that do not matter. But we keep the vision 
if we remain content, patient, and willing. And so I have a couple questions for you guys as I get ready to wrap up. And the first one is this. Are you content with God and where he has you and what he has you doing? Are you content with God, where he has you, and what he has you doing? And the only way you're going to really be able to answer this is by seeking him every single day. Because I promise you, there's reasons why God had to give us a command not to envy what our neighbor has because he knows our nature. Think about back in the Garden of Eden. They had Thousands and thousands of yeses and one no. And what did we do? We went after the one no. God was like, there's this red button. Don't push it. And we pushed it. Because that's our nature. We get completely discontent with the things we have, the places we've gone, and the things we do when we lose sight of the vision that God has given you. I remember when I first moved here, I was 30 years old. And I was living in a house with seven other people, which was supposed to be for only three months. And it turned into three years. How many of you right now in this place would give up everything you had to go live with another dysfunctional family for three years? No takers? And I'm not saying that's what God wants you to do. But would you even be willing? Would you be content with that? And would you be patient in the process, knowing that God is with you and he has a plan for your life? Guys, that was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do. 30 years old, working at Corner Bakery, wrapping cookies, and I had to find some sort of peace in that. And what's beautiful is being here, looking at this now, where Voice Church is now, I'm honored that I got to do that for a season. So are you content with God and where he has you and what he has you doing? Number two, are you patient with God and his timing, not your timing? That's a big difference. Are you patient with God and his timing, not your timing? Some of you plan to be here at a certain time, and it did not work out for you this morning, right? When's the last time you planned to actually be somewhere on time and L.A. traffic just happened? Construction just happened. Our timing sucks. God's timing is perfect. So are you patient with his timing? And the last one. Are you willing to do what he has asked you to do when he's asked you to do it? Are you willing to do what he's asked you to do when he's asked you to do it? And the only way you guys are going to know these answers is by seeking a relationship with him. Not a religion, but a relationship where you talk to him and he talks back. And that's real. That was the original vision he gave us, that kind of relationship. So this morning as you guys go 
and you guys handle all the schedules that you guys have to handle and do all the things you guys have to do. I just want to encourage you that it's worth it to be content, patient, and willing with God. So you guys pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. God, that you you desire to have a relationship with us, God, that is rooted in peaceful happiness and satisfaction. God, I pray for every single individual in here, man, that is inspired by this message and motivated by your truth and your word and your plan and your vision for our life. God, I pray that you would give them the strength to make the decisions they need to make that I believe, Holy Spirit, you are speaking to them right now that will change the entire trajectory of their life with you. Help us, God, in the areas of where we need help. God, if we are impatient, help us. Give us opportunities to be more patient. God, if we are discontent, I pray that you would help us have the strength to be content with where you have us and what you have us doing. And that, God, if because of life circumstances we have lost a little bit of willingness, God, I pray that you would give us the faith and the boldness to start to ignite that fire again, to just be willing for you. God, we love you. We thank you. And in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Voice Church, we love you guys. Thank you so much for having me this morning. We love you.